All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Coming in Hot is presented by Botano. The game starts now. Here are your hosts, Brent Wallace, Jason York, and Bobby Ryan. Good afternoon, everybody. Brent Wallace alongside Jason York. Bobby Ryan is, uh, I don't know, on assignment in Texas, it looks like, having the time of his life. That guy gets more assignments than anybody I know, York. Uh, He's buying another house. He doesn't have enough houses. I think he's got six right now. I need seven. He's a realist one. (laughs) I want one in Nashville. I think he might have a couple there too. Yes. Miss that. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, Um, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, Coming in hot presented as always by Botano.ca. Go to Botano, download the app, uh, and enjoy uh, being immersed in a gambling experience. Okay. So uh, we have Jamie Baker on the show, who's one of the original modern day senators, by the way. Uh, It's the first time I've ever gotten a chance to sit down and have a long chat about that inaugural season, plus there's a few other things that tie in there. We'll also talk about the modern-day Senators uh, and how uh, Jamie sees them now because he's doing broadcast work with TSN. He's been phenomenal, if you haven't heard him. Uh, so, Yorkie, I just want to get to something early before we move on. That's uh, you, had a, you're, you still have to get your knee drained at this age, and I'm curious of how that's all played out uh, for you. Like, what are you curious so- about? Well, so one of the things that we don't really take into consideration is as pro, what pro athletes go through for 10 years that live with yeah. and linger on for the rest of their lives, right? And so yeah. um, just seeing you talk about having your – and talking about your knee being drained all the time uh, is one of those sacrifices you make, right? Yeah, it's just it's, – I call it the cost of doing business. <laughs> it's, <laughs> this is the thing. When you, when you sign up to be a – not that you sign up, when you become a pro athlete – 
you make lots of money uh, and, and they make more now than ever. So there's a risk with that. And you do it knowing, knowing the risks and, I got out easy. I got a bad knee. It's could be could be a lot worse things going on, uh, but yeah, it's just a thing. Um, it's, and I was fortunate too, Wally. I didn't hurt my knee till I was thirty-seven. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, and it's everybody's. Once you get over fifty, you're pretty soon you'll be wearing uh, compression socks and <laughs> wristbands and copper wristbands <laughs> walking, walking around with a cane soon. But you know, so as long, I, as, long, as long as I can walk the course, play pickup hockey once a week, which I can't do anymore. Um, so I'm one, I'm one for two. I can golf and walk the course, which you know what? Thankful for that. I, I will say uh, I'm 49 about to hit 50 this season. Oh, I was boy. drying the dishes the other day and my back seized up. <laughs> oh yeah I, I don't do any pro athlete stuff you know what i got right now i i i this winter i went out and i purchased for myself for christmas the i basically call the old man golf cart it is the remote control oh, caddy yes. but it's awesome you i don't care you get razzed but i'm like you know what i'm not i'm walking the course got my little thing we call him winston but man, it's dangerous. I've ran over two guys already. The other day, it, it crashed in the bunker, and um, so usually once around, there's a huge mishap where it runs somebody over and chases. The other day, I was on the tee box. I'm like, "Where's Winston?" I go, Where, "Where's my cart? Can't find it." All of a sudden, I see it going down the fairway, and it's going after a guy that's about to hit his shot. And I'm like, "Shit! Press stop! Press stop!" <laughs> so Winston's so in a mind of his own. All right. Well, mate, I, he probably also has like a 20 foot uh, thing sticking out of his bag so you can get clubs out of the tree. But that's another story. Yeah. Um, so uh, before, let's just get to Jamie. I know he's waiting. So before we yeah. do that, as always, we'll get to our sponsor reads, uh, as we like to say, presented by Botano. Uh, go to Botano.ca, download the award winning app and immerse yourself in uh, online uh, betting. And uh, you can have Live betting, bet builder, same game parlays. They also have a, a thing that'll be better, obviously, next season, but still, as they go into the cup final, is uh, if your team scores three goals, you've automatically won. Uh, check that out online. Also, uh, it's elimination day at Botano as the uh, Miami Heat game, as well as the Dallas Stars Vegas Knights game, is uh, back on tonight. So uh, keep an eye on that one. As we say, Botano, the game starts now. Oh, Renfrew Pro Tape, the original hockey tape. Big thanks to our sponsor, Renfrew. Uh, as always, it's the best tape in the business. It's the ones the pros use. It's hand-terrible, moisture-resistant, amongst many other great things. Hey, you go to an NHL locker room, it's always Renfrew Tape. Uh, you can look them up at RenfrewPro.com. Uh, as always, it's the one with the green core. Uh, don't forget to tag your friends on Instagram at Renfrew Pro. Uh, share your stories and uh, ooh, what's this? 10 bonus entries. Not sure what that means, but hey, free tape Friday is always good. Renfrew Pro. It's if you share your story, you get 10 bonus entries. Uh, and as always, our good friends at BEI, Heavy Civil General Contractors. Uh, BEI, by the way, always looking to hire, but it, look for them if you have equipment rentals, aggregate topsoil sales, custom crushing and screening, uh, haulage and floating. Plus, if you're looking to have your driveway done, they will do that for you too. Uh, BEI, give them a call, 613-432-1120. As we like to say, helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. Now, without further ado, uh, we bring in the first original number 13 of the modern-day Ottawa Senators, 
Jamie Baker, who played over 400 National Hockey League games. Bakes, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Sorry about my poor video feed. I'm not sure why it is. I guess it's it's reminiscent of the inaugural sense team. <laughs> but team bad video. This is what you get, folks. <laughs> you know what? You're filling in for Bobby just perfectly. So I, Bakes, I like it. Yeah. Bakes, you still have the Commodore 64 computer or something? What's going on over there? <laughs> you know what? I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if I blame it on you guys because I've had video meetings today and the video has been fine. So I, I can't quite <laughs> sure put my finger on what uh, what's going on. But anyway. It is oh, what it is. Enough. It's going to make you dizzy looking at me, so don't look at me. <laughs> this is just this like is, when you play. This, this is exactly right. <laughs> Spend an uh, hour with Bakes, you're going to be dizzy. So oh, yeah. there you go. Uh, thank you for joining us. I'm happy yeah, to thanks. say that uh, I've gotten to know you uh, pretty well over the last couple of years since you've been back in Ottawa. Uh, for those who don't know, Jamie's an Ottawa native, Nepean. Uh, if you will, the Nepean uh, Raider, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Jamie played 400 NHL games, played 10 seasons, uh, scored 150 points, 71 goals, 79 assists. I just want to know, uh, because you were selected, you first played for the Quebec Nordiques, when you got chosen to play in Ottawa, or did you get chosen or signed? We have a little technical issue here. We're going <laughs> to a different program system, and so things are a little uh, haywire this morning. Or this afternoon, uh, when you got chosen to come here, were you excited to come back home? I was. I was. I've been in the Nordiques organization, and I was going up against Claude Lapointe, Mark Fortier, Stefan Morin for one of the last two centerman spots on the team. And Jamie Baker, the name didn't fit necessarily. Um, I didn't, ha I, I didn't have the advantage, put it that way. And so I was an unrestricted free agent. And when Ottawa called, like it was never a dream growing up. They never had a team here, but what an opportunity to come home and play in front of the hometown in the first year. And I also knew as it, and as it turned out, I was going to get a decent amount of ice time, more ice time than I would maybe elsewhere, as I was still trying to solidify myself as an everyday NHL player. So it, it was kind of the best of both worlds, at least uh, on paper, coming into the season. Yeah. <laughs> Long season. <laughs> Bakes, I'm, uh, just, I, I'm checking out your stats here. That year you played in Ottawa, you, you still put down 19 goals on an expansion team. So not, not a bad little piece of work that probably sprung board you to the opportunity with San Jose, right? And in San Jose... We all know what happened there. He scored that big goal, but hey, nineteen Wait goals is for that. Nineteen goals is nothing to, right? Shake your head at. Let's let's not kid ourselves. I was a very very average player in the NHL, so I was good enough to make it. I needed to be on an expansion team to establish myself as a player, but I did get power play time in Ottawa. I think I don't know, maybe half those goals were on the power play, and I wasn't a power play player. The only time I ever played on the power play elsewhere was when the coach was really pissed off at the power play players. You're like, we're going to, we're going to, this power play is so fucking bad. We're actually going to put Jamie Baker on it. <laughs> That's when I got on the power play on other teams. But, you had uh, 10 of your yeah. 19 goals were power play okay, goals. So that 10 of them were, yeah. So there you go. I was a somewhat of a regular on the power play. Um, did get, I wasn't on the first line all year, but I did get some first line time and second line. Time. So I was on all, I think I, I was 
I played on all lines. I was a healthy scratch. Like everything happened that year um, <laughs> regarding what lines I was on. But anyway, yeah, so it was, it was, but it was a good opportunity for me. Put in some numbers. Obviously, I didn't have those kind of numbers elsewhere. Um, I was more in a checking role in my other situations. Uh, you finished, by the way, people don't know, second on the team in scoring for, in that original season. Uh, but I, I'm just curious. Wait a second. How did you become a healthy scratch for being the second on the team in scoring? <laughs> what did what did Rick Bonus say to you? <laughs> um, it was to basically send a message is what I was told. We're going to send a message. Um, it was in Montreal. And I think it was coming down to myself or Kadelsky. Bob Kadelsky, one of us was going to be a healthy scratch, and they chose me. That was the message I got was they were sending a message to the team. So, which it was fair, whatever. It, it, at that point, it was I'd seen everything. Like you can't. First of <laughs> all, I don't I don't have a ton of recollection of the year. Like you do try and block out years like that. You do know yeah. that. Right? Like you don't make it that far in your career by being on teams that are that bad in the standards. You know, uh, so like hey. I went and looked at the record just yep. like, I just over the weekend, I went and looked at the schedule and everything. And I'm like, oh, painful to what? It's painful to look at. Ten so, W's, ten <laughs> W's out of 80, 82 games. Um, well, then let's go back to the first game, because that's yeah. obviously the highlight of that whole year. Uh, yeah. we, we did have a video pack, but I want to know the feeling inside that room. As you're going out to play, and by the way, if people don't know, they play at the Civic Center for that game. As you go out to play your first game, you're facing Patrick Waugh and the, well, at the time, a pretty good Montreal Canadiens hockey team. I think it was, I can't speak for everyone. My feeling was probably different because I grew up in Ottawa. Like, my anticipation leading up to that game was just pure excitement. I was happy for the city. Um, I was happy for the organization. I thought, you know, the fact that we were playing Montreal the first game was really cool. Now, remember, I come from Quebec, so I'd had some great games, like like fun games against Montreal, right? Like yep. the Montreal-Quebec rivalry, when you play on a Saturday night, you know the entire province is watching. So I'd played Patrick Waugh in Montreal in big games before. Um, I don't think we were daunted by the fact we were playing Montreal. I think it was just the anticipation of the first game. Now, it was long, like from the warm-up to the whole pregame ceremony. It was almost like it was it was a long lead-up to puck drop that night. I do remember that. Like, we were waiting in our room a long time. We are like, let's get this game going. It's almost like it was like, uh, you know, what football players say, it's the halftime show is at the Super Bowl, something like that. This ball won't be at the Super Bowl. <laughs> but it was a big night. It was the Super Bowl for the city of Ottawa, yeah. you know, the coronation of the team coming back. So, uh, I think there was, I think there were jitters. Nobody knew what to expect from the team. So, um, but you know, lots of guys had played in the NHL had already played Montreal. I don't think there was like, nobody was intimidated by the fact we were playing Montreal. Really? Okay. So. Oh, we got I some go, video. We got some video yeah. here. So it's even worse than Jamie's camera. Um, Cause it's from 1992 is the, uh, the pillar, the pillar that wouldn't go back up. Did you laugh at that? We didn't know. We didn't know what was going on. We we were inside the room wondering what is taking so long. Like this show is taking a really long time. <laughs> so yeah, like we were like, let's get the we wanted like let's get the puck drop. So we didn't know. I think they might have told us. I this is like that's like a small detail. I don't remember exactly all the details, 
they probably came in and said there's a bit of a malfunction to the equipment and there's going to be another delay. There was nothing we could do about it. But yeah, we waited a long time. I do know that. And Bakes, I, I, I found the Civic Center. I played a game in there as a member of the Red Wings. It was such an odd building to play in. It, yeah. Like as a, it just, it was the NHL, but it kind of felt like not really the NHL because it's just the square corners, the low drop of the ceiling on the one side. Like it must have been weird for you playing in that building and you, when you came home, right? Because it was a '67s building, and all yeah. of a sudden, boom, the Sens are playing there. Yeah, I mean, kind of like with the Arizona Coyotes are going through right now, oh. per se. <laughs> Right. I mean, you're playing in a, I mean, it was, you get used to wherever your home rink is, you get used to it. And we didn't practice there very often. So we were practicing in Canada, but you, you get used to it, but it is weird with the, it's hanging low on the one side. It is more of a junior rink. Um, I'd like to say we had home ice advantage. We didn't, obviously. <laughs> um, we didn't win a lot of games at home. I I know we won nine. most of our games at home. I think nine nine games nine games at home. We were better at home yeah. on the road. I will say that the the dimensions of the arena had something to do with that. I guess I don't think it was last change. <laughs> the old the old the old bank pass off the end boards that comes right out in the slot. Yeah. If you just hit it perfectly yeah. in that rink, yeah, like it's that's, yeah. that's a set cross play. corner dump. Exactly, exactly. You can't do it. Exactly. The one thing I find interesting still today is the team's exit the Zamboni tunnel together and the linesman has to stay on and yeah. separate the two as they skate by or walk by. No like you guys had never to had any. Yeah. Yeah. No, no brawls ever happened. Um, but it was weird because you had to wait, you know, at sometimes at the end of the period and stuff like that. So one yeah. team exits the other one. And yeah, it was, it was right. It was also weird. Like it's, it's, it's weird during warm up too. Right. So because the other team had to come down and yes, go through art like they have to wait you're sh you're shooting on the net like yes. i'm not saying you want to intentionally non-intentionally miss the net as someone's trying to go off the ice but it could happen by <laughs> if it's somebody you, don't like on the other team. Yeah. you never know right Those you never know. Blocks, yeah. yeah you never know what happens it makes it i did the, i had the same thing when i played for the chicago wolves that was at the end of my career same thing everybody everybody exited from the same uh same end, and there were a couple. There were a couple of brawls there, and the miners there. So, nothing in Ottawa that I remember of. Uh, how fired up was Rick Bonus on that game, throughout the game? Do you remember? Oh, no, no. Okay. Like that. I just watched. Yeah. Like he's at the very end. If you see the video, like he's pointing into the stands or pointing at something. Like he's totally jacked into this game because, I mean, you guys just won your first game. Yeah. So. The things that stick out for me from that game were more the lead up to it. Yeah. I just like, like I remember being nervous and having trouble having my, my typical afternoon nap. Like, you know, there was like, I was really excited and, and I was also nervous. Um, another thing that really sticks out was after the game, uh, Peter Sidorkowicz and I were talking and we were kind of laughing. There's Bones. So, yeah, he was animated. He was, you know, a young coach trying to make a mark in the NHL. So it was a big deal for all of us to get the win. But there were some experts that predicted we might only win eight games that year, which would be one, one win out of every ten games. And after the game, Peter Sidorkowicz and I were talking, and we were laughing. 
we had a good little chuckle about it. We're like, oh, those experts, like as if they know, like we're yeah. one. So I guess we don't need to win for the next nine games. Well, the joke was a little bit on us because we went on a 17 game winless streak after that. And we're so we got to about the 10th game mark and then, you know, Zorkwich and I, we were like, okay, we're never saying that again. Like we're never joking about how crappy this team is or what, what experts are saying. So, yeah, I do remember that conversation with, uh, so as that season's going along and you're, well, especially on the road and you can't win it, it, like, it's not until I think your 38th game of the season on the road, you finally get your only road win that year in long Island. Uh, is it, hard because you guys are professional athletes you you don't want to be embarrassed all that stuff I, what is it like <laughs> mentally going through that is that a is that really a question <laughs> yes <laughs> yorkie <laughs> is it hard losing 37 games ah, it's <laughs> all good it's all good <laughs> oh fuck that's great it's fun <laughs> guys are just having a ball with it yeah, i mean my might end my career or something no, like but <laughs> but are there are there fights in the lot like is it tense is it I just want to know what the mood is like, because at some point you got to try and, as they say, park every game and go to the next one. You try and compartmentalize it. Nobody was prepared for, I mean, we knew we weren't going to make the playoffs, but we didn't think it was going to be that bad. Um, you still try and put on a, like a good happy face or a good light, but there was, there were, there was frustrations throughout the course of the year and it could be different guys at different times. Um, you know, you just, it wears you down. The losing wears you down. And it was embarrassing. Like, nobody wants to get embarrassed. Like, it, I can't even imagine what it'd be like in today's day and age with all the social media and everything. You'd just be getting mocked every day on social media, you know, <laughs> on the highlights and everything. Now, the, the, the one thing, like, there were no expectations in Ottawa. Like, people were just happy to have the NHL back. So, like, when the Pittsburgh Penguins came in, Nobody cared that we lost to Pittsburgh. They were just happy to see Mario Lemieux playing in Ottawa. Same thing when LA was in, you name it, across the board. When Quebec was there, you got to see Sackick and Sundin and Owen Nolan. Like, you know, so you were always seeing these superstar players from other teams. So the we had a pass from the fan base and from the media base. But from us, like, you're looking at the standings every day. It was hard. Like, it was... Yeah. Like it, it was, I took it really hard as the, as the year went on. Yeah. Um, it was my first year of marriage. I was living in Ottawa. Like I kind of in the second half of the year, I didn't, I didn't talk to family and friends as much. I had really low key. Like I found it kind of embarrassing, uh, like how bad we were like in the standings. I mean, we were still working hard and everything, but it was, it just, it wore on you over the course of the year. And the losing thing, like, <clears throat> We were getting, it was nip and tuck that we were not going to win a, a game on the road. So when we finally won, which was Laurie Boschman scoring a hat trick in overtime, and you've probably heard the story before where we all come in, we're all around him. And he's like, we're going to Disneyland. We're going to Disneyland. Like, <laughs> we kind of were making fun of the situation. But it wasn't that funny. Yet. Over the course of the season, um, it was frustrating on the road. Like, yeah. Do you know what I found, Bikes? Because I remember I was playing in Anaheim. And then I had got traded to Ottawa the next year. And Ottawa, I think, had just finished year two, and they were really bad. And there was an article that you came were here. You were here third year? That was when you came? I came the year the team moved into the Corral Center. Okay. 96. And I was 
I was scared to death coming to the Ottawa Senators because you're a young player and a similar. I'm, I'm established, but not really. And yeah. I'd, what, I, what I'd always think about is you're on a losing team and you continue to lose. Well, your NHL career could be over because they'll just bring somebody else in. That's yeah. what happens with, 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 with new teams. It's just so much tr- uh, changeover until they get, until they get the recipe, right? So Bakes, I don't know about you, that like when I was in Anaheim, same thing. I was in year, there a year two and you're always, you're confident, but you're like always looking over your shoulder because you know, you know, there's someone else coming and you keep losing. Uh, there's a good I chance think, you're going to be replaced. I don't have the exact stat, so I could be wrong. So to any of my ex-teammates, not that they're watching or listening, but like, but I think two years later, there was only four guys from that team still in the league, Crazy, which is to your point. Yeah. Like it wasn't a lot of guys. I do know that. Now, some of them were older guys that retired, like Brad Marsh ended up retiring, Lori Boschman, Doug Smale. So there were some older guys like that. And then there were some guys that had been pretty much, you know, they'd spent most of their career in the minor leagues, played in Ottawa, maybe a little bit, you know, the first or two years. And then they went back to the minor leagues. Um, and, you know, but there weren't many guys like three years later, it wasn't like the majority of the team were still in the NHL to, to Yorkie's point. Yeah. So while, so while we were there, it was this dichotomy of like, I'm getting an opportunity. Yeah. I'm getting more ice time, but I'm on such a bad team that it doesn't like, is it really helping my career? And you don't know that, you know? So anyway, that that's, and that's what you're dealing with when you're on a team that's losing as much as it did. Exactly. It's like so being on a Stanley I, Cup. If you're a depth player on a Stanley Cup, you're a wanted player. Like yeah. come trade deadline, people want guys that have won Stanley Cups. It's yeah. the, like so. This is the opposite. When, when you win, when you yeah. when you win, you're labeled a winner. When you're lose, you're labeled a loser. So how come you didn't sign back with Ottawa? Was that your choice or was that theirs? Why did you move to San Jose the next year? That was like, um, I'll call it mutual (laughs) is the best way to put it. So it was, it was a tough year coming down the stretch and I had like some potential opportunities to come back. And then I was also offered the tuning if if you, you know, to test the market and I ended up up testing the market and that's okay. where i ended up the yeah like the simple story is it was it was kind of a mutual parting of the ways so. okay so of the four teams you played for and that's san jose toronto quebec and ottawa yep. where does that one season with ottawa as you being a hometown guy where is that rank for you despite the record that's a good question it was the hardest year that was the hardest year. Just, yeah, it was the hardest year. As much, it was just, Toronto was tough too. Um, just the media scrutiny there. And, you know, my second year there, it was near the end of my career. And I knew it, like I knew I was, it was, it was thin, like I was hanging on. I took a slap shot in the head and like, it was just brutal. So that was, that was hard too, I guess. Like, I guess wherever you finish and, 
you're not wanted in the league anymore per se you're not good enough like the the opportunity cost has come to an end i guess that might be the hardest but that year in ottawa like personally like the course of the year i took it personally all the losses i think maybe because i was from ottawa too like yeah, right. i just wanted yep. the team to be better you know and i'm like a competitive guy so i you know i definitely found that like quebec i was just trying to make the nhl so it was just whatever it takes san jose we had we had kind of some special teams there. Like, you know, I know we didn't go on to win the cup, but it was kind of cool. We were, we were overachieving and we had that fan base. We're coming out of the shark head. Like it was cool. It was the first team in San Jose. So that was, that, those were really good memories. Ottawa though, like I'll always remember like that first game is still one of my top five hockey memories in my, my life is that is the opening night here in Ottawa. Like I'll remember that game the rest of my life. Did, uh, does Neil Brady deserve a statue? Not a statue. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I found interesting, which I did. He doesn't know. deserve a statue. <laughs> he, he only scored seven goals that year. Yeah. But what only do you, what do you get when you get that first goal for a, right. a franchise that's coming back that's already won nine Stanley Cups? What do you deserve now that you look back on it? Do you think he deserves a statue? <laughs> I, I I don't know you, Bakes, but they're they're handing out statues. Like way too easily these days. For me, if you're a statue guy, you're Gretz or you're Lemieux, how? or how? So you That's don't agree with you don't agree with the Dustin Brown? Oh, I'm not, I, I, but I, then again, I'm not a guy that cares. Like I'm not a man. Hey, you yeah. shouldn't give him that statue. But I'm like, hey, do I agree? No. Like I, I think you have to to, to be engraved in a statue. Like yeah. like I said, you got to be. You got to be like iconic. It, that's but right. that's just me. Do I care? No, but that's just yeah. how I feel. Right. It's a fair statement. I'm not getting back into that debate. Yeah, what no. the statue debate? No, it's a statue no. for God's sake. It's never leaving. <laughs> it's fine if they want to build a statue in their city to honor somebody. Go right yeah, ahead. I agree. We live in a city where we built statues for everybody downtown, and then anyway. Moving on. And, and so that's and that's kind of how I feel. Even like, you know, like some people when Chris Neal when they raised his number to the rafters, there were people on. This mm -hmm. is on Twitter now. Remember where we're. The, <laughs> let's remember the source, right? The voice of reason, and, and, Twitter, and, and and probably people that aren't Sens fans. But the argument is like you don't know what he meant to this organization or this no. city. So don't just look at his numbers. Don't look at a guy that was considered an enforcer and. He like, did he deserve that? hundred percent. So that's, that's how I look at, you know, who am I to say what statue deserving in Los Angeles for an organization that, you know, over the, you know, you look at the length of that, where that team's been. I mean, they had some good years with Gretzky. They went to the Stanley cup, but they were not a good team for a lot of years. They had a lot of lean, lean years. Yeah. And then Dustin Brown's there and he's like a heart and soul guy he's the captain when they win a couple of Stanley cups, like that he's the captain. He's the, so like, who are, who am I to say that that's, you know, like even Gretzky didn't win a, like Gretzky's Gretzky. You give him a statue, obviously, yeah. but he, he didn't win a Stanley cup there, but Dustin Brown did while, while he was the captain. So, mm -hmm. and you know, I wasn't a big Dustin Brown fan, like on the ice because I was working for the sharks and obviously they were, that's their rival team. And he was a physical player. He had, there was some, 
knee to knee hits and stuff like that. But you could never take away the value that he was to that team. Like I got to see the value up close in playoff series, and he was a hard guy to play against. Yorkie, this What's and by the way, this wasn't ever in the nerd report. If they were to build a statue of Daniel Alfredson, would you say no? Uh, a statue. I don't know. I have to think about that one. Like he's Alfie's got his number retired. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm not sure on that one yet. Cause to me, I, I think, I think, I think you do like for a statue, I, I think you do have to have a Stanley cup, I think in my statue resume, I think that's important. <laughs> well, then, then there should be two Dustin Browns. I um, don't know. I, you know what? No. It's, Tough question. You caught me off guard there. <laughs> That's because I want you to have to talk to him at the golf course this summer and him go, hey, yeah. you don't I need a statue. A statue. <laughs> For, I, I was listening to the show and you said I don't I'm deserve a statue. I'm sending this clip right now. Is uh, okay. <laughs> this is this Wally. You're stirring the pot. Yeah. Listen, you know what to do. You're good I at feel, it. If you're going to be I good feel. at it, be, do it. I feel strongly on statues, though. Like statues for me are a big deal. Yeah. All right. If All right. Uh, we'll move on. I got more because I, I need to, uh, tons of stuff to talk with Jamie. And that is, I'm going to tie in 1994 and 2023 together in this one question. Um, in 94, you as the San Jose Sharks barely make it into the playoffs. You're the last team to go in, as you know. You knock off the number one Western Conference team, and that's the Detroit Red Wings, on a Game 7 winning goal by one other, none other than uh, Jamie Baker, who, by the way, opened the scoring of that series. I do you didn't. You didn't. So this is where the hockey gods, there's a hockey oh. god story to this. Um, the puck actually deflected off my stick a little bit, but they gave the, the credit to the goal to Sean Cronin. The and first I goal. was like the first goal of the, of the playoff series. It would have been the first goal in Sharks playoff history. I was in front of the net. There's no way, even today, it would be like, you just have to trust the player that he tipped it. It wasn't this wild redirection. It, but, but you know, like, Yorkie, you've been in front of the net where, as a defenseman, it's probably just nipped your stick and gone in the net, but you felt it, right? Mm -hmm. So you know, like, I knew it hit my stick, but I'm like, I'm not going to go to the refs and go, like, that was my – I didn't give a shit. I'm like, we scored a goal. We're up one nothing. Good for us. And never said anything. So was on a night for me, I got a plus we're up one, nothing that was good enough. So that's where, if nothing else, that's where the hockey gods paid me back in game seven with kind of a, a fluky game winning goal in game seven. But so I actually didn't Sean Cronin scored the first goal in right. the Sharks play. I apologize. I just read it, but I didn't actually fact check it. So Bakes, that's my, but Bakes, were you trying to remember? Cause I always try to think when the goal train came about. You know what? After guys scored, and they go, "Was that was that pre-goal train or, or post-goal train?" What are you talking about? You the, know when guys score, go everyone goes down the bench. Like that, no, yeah, I never it used that. to be just the five guys on the ice celebrating. Yeah. 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 Not that I care. So. Never did. Never did that. No, that's no, no goal train. We'll have no to figure, we'll have to look into that. Um, I don't know when that came about. So, my reason I want to ask that question is how big was that upset some people call it one of the biggest if not the biggest in nhl history to today's nhl with the florida panthers knocking off the boston bruins what's bigger it's i mean they're both really close right um mm -hmm. nobody expected us to beat detroit they were 
Hmm. They were one of the favorites to win the Stanley Cup, loaded with like Hall of Famers. What nobody knew about us, we we started the year 08 and one, and so we were we were playing like not playoff hockey, but like desperate hockey from game ten on, just to try and get ourselves back into the standings. Back then we played. 84 games. The last 42 games, I think we had like the ninth best record in the league. So it was a little, people didn't like, you had to look at, look at the body of work the first half of the year to the second half. We were playing some pretty good hockey, um, but nobody knew because you just say, well, they're in, they're in 10th right. place. They're in ninth place. Oh, they sneak into eighth place. So we had that belief. I would give the nod to Florida just because Boston's regular season was the greatest regular season of all time. Like, did anybody really believe that Florida was going to beat Boston four games? Like I didn't, nobody did. (laughs) So I would say nobody thought we were going to win either. So I think they're, they're very equivalent, but I give the nod just because of the regular season that Boston had. If Boston didn't, if they didn't break the records, but won the president's trophy, then I would give San Jose the nod, the 94 uh, San Jose team the nod. But because they did, I would, I would say Florida this year. Okay. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Uh, that, uh, that goal rank? Yeah, that's a big one. For you, where does that goal rank? Oh, the biggest, biggest goal I ever scored. Um, part, of, part of Shark's history pretty cool you know i don't think it's the biggest goal in sharks history anymore like i think i would give that to you know ray whitney scoring double overtime the next year i would give it to maybe barkley goodrow when this when the sharks beat vegas in game seven that incredible comeback you know when they scored four power play goals 
That was the wildest mm -hmm. game I've ever been to, by the way. You know, broadcast, I was broadcasting down behind Vegas's net, kind of in the wheelchair section there. We had a three-man crew, TV crew, and Ray Ferraro, because it was a national game, he was in between the benches, so I was down behind the net, so I saw all the action there and then interviewed Barkley Goodrow after, which was – that would probably be the greatest goal in Sharks history. But, yeah, it's like part of part of Sharks, you know, lore, yeah. being you know, part of a team that had the – still the biggest turnaround in NHL history, which the Devils almost did this year, but mm -hmm. I think it was 56 points. And then the first series win and to have that, you know, game winning goal in game seven, it got me a 16 year broadcasting career. That's what that there, goal did. Exactly. Did you get, did you get free space. drinks? There's, did you? There's no, there's no broadcasting career without that goal. Can, <laughs> can you drink whenever you go to San Jose for free? No, they don't give no. Bakes. If Bakes. We, listen, Dwight Clark. Now he could go drink. Anyway, <laughs> that's the catch. <laughs> Thanks, I'll Ricky tell you. Anderson, then you've got, you know, give me somebody great from the, you know, Barry Bonds. He can drink wherever he wants, right? <laughs> Steph Curry, he drinks wherever he wants. San Jose Sharks, we're low on the totem pole out there compared to the, compared to the other major league sports. Like, there's a great following. Hockey's really popular there, but it still doesn't have, like, the mainstream appeal that those other sports do. Like those guys are true legends. Bakes, I'll tell you a funny story about your about your winner. I was in the minors at the time playing for Detroit, so you know what it's like when you're down at the minors. You're cheering for the other team, <laughs> so you're happy. Well, you're like, we're, right, Bakes. we're in a bar. We're in a bar. I think it's in Springfield, New York. Because this is nineteen ninety. You still were you guys still playing in the playoffs? We were still playing. We had a really good okay. team. And Detroit, I still think that that was a that was a monumental upset. I, I, yeah, I think you're, I think you're underselling it because that Detroit team was loaded to the tits. Oh like God. it was so it was so deep, and their their payroll was ridiculous. So we're in a bar, I think at Springfield, New York, the Adirondack Red Wings, and Dougie McLean is our GM, and he's down there like just watching the game, gritting his teeth because hey. There's jobs on the line here, and you guys win, and we start cheering all the players because <laughs> it's the only chance you're going to have to make the trade if they lose and they, they exactly. make changes. McLean, what the fuck are you guys yelling at? <laughs> like, oh, oh. <laughs> We're all quiet, but that's awesome. Oh man, which, Never, which ended up costing you know Brian Murray, well, right? God bless his soul, like it cost him his job. You know, and Doug, because like they were yeah. they were a package, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. Yep. Doug, so. Doug and Brian were a package, but I'll never forget because we couldn't believe it because we're like, all right, Detroit's going to win oh. the Stanley Cup. We're going to be stuck with the minors forever. <laughs> so they were so, they were so good. Oh my! Sergey Fedorov was so good that year. I think that's the year he yeah. won the MVP. That this is like, if I if you, somebody did this in today's game in today's like YouTube era. It would be interesting to see the response on social media. I came up because they I knew I was going to be playing against their top lines. So I'm going to be playing against Fedorov. And if he gets ahead of steam, kind of like Pavel Bury back in the day, like there was yeah. nothing you can do. You're done. It's like McDavid. You're done. So like if you're you're trying to play him a one-on-one -on -one in the neutral zone, he's got you. He's <laughs> like one, he's just goes one way, then you're going the other. So what I did, I 
I would come in and I practiced it. So I did it two or three times in the series. Once or twice, I know one for sure led to Ray Whitney getting a breakaway. He might've got two breakaways from this. So Fedorov's coming, he gets to the, his own blue line. He's got all kinds of speed. I went and slid like as if you're blocking a shot at his stick. So I'd like six feet. He didn't get, I, I'm like, I'm not playing the body. I can't stop him. So I'm just going to go slide. It's like, just slide right into the, where, and he, there's nothing he could do. Stop the puck. I'm on my knees and I just throw the puck out in front into the, you know, into the middle of the ice ahead of me. Mm. And then off we go. Like it was like a quick transition. We got one or two breakaways because of doing it. Now I've never seen really anyone do it, but there was like some creative things that were getting done to try and slow that team down. Cause they were, they were really good. Fedorov, Fedorov to me, he might be when he wanted to be, I, I thought he was the best player in the game. Like when he wanted to be, he could do everything. Was, Remember, he went back and played D for a while for Scotty Bowman. Put him on it was defense. The, it was the, next, the next year, just to keep him motivated. Can you yeah. imagine? He, That'd be he, like putting you center. <laughs> listen, he came over. The first year Fedorov came over, nobody knew who this guy was. He, he shows up at training camp. I'm trying to make the team. This guy's legs are like tree trunks. Had to be on the Russian gas for sure. Like he was doing 30 pull-ups. Like, like he was like Draggle. But cut like smaller. So first, first drill at training camp because you put in the two groups. There's actually there's twelve players on the ice because we're not playing that night. Six D and six forwards. I get paired up to do nonstop one on ones versus Sergey Fedorov full ice. Needless to say, I was sent to the minors the next day. How are those? How are those crossovers working? Oh. <laughs> Fucking tripping over your feet. Thanks. Starting couple from ankle, couple of ankle breakers, eh? The old, the old start backwards when the forward starts forwards, yeah. full ice yeah. against Fedorov. Like, come on, I'm not winning. Yeah. No chance. Yeah, he was, he was so good, so shifty. Um, that's the thing. Like the game, it's interesting. Like people ask you, not often, but sometimes how the game has changed and. The overall speed of the game is better today because the depth players, like the guys on the third and fourth lines and the fourth, fifth, and sixth defensemen are all better skaters. Yeah. But like the top, top players, I don't think anyone's ever been faster with the puck than Connor McDavid. No. But like Fedorov was pretty close. And I got to tell you, Pavel Bure, he was like, he was the Russian rocket. Timo Solani, like those guys in today's game, they would also, they, they would be McGillney. Like these guys would have been, they'd be some of the fastest guys out there. They'd be like amazing players in today's game. So you still have those superstars that were just, but they were a completely another level, um, especially compared to the depth players back in the day. Well, not to mention, not to mention those guys had to put up with a ton of slashing on their forearms, cross checks to the back, yeah, can openers. Hold. Um, like just the nonsense they had to put up with. Like, yes, it, it's crazy. Like you, you look at guys from played in that era and Wally, you can always tell a guy that's played from that era because his forearms are filled with all these scars from slash marks. Yes. Like you probably got a ton on your forearm bakes. There are these red marks that you got. <laughs> like if you played over five years in the NHL, your forearm is littered with slash marks. 
You Just are full. way overestimating the amount of time I had the puck on my stick. <laughs> oh, you, were, you were given the slashes. Now, but there's a lot of guys that have, have marks on their hand because of what I did. I used to, yeah, absolutely. Um, no, but I did. Because we used to go after each other there. We yeah, used to yeah, try and yeah. slash each other there. I was like one of the things. And then try and cross-check guys, you know, in the rib cage, right below the shoulder pads and above <laughs> the pants. Like it was automatic, right? Smash each other's heads into the glass. Like all the things that are, it's good that, you know, that a bunch of them aren't in the game today. Oh. But at the same time, it was a much different. Like it was hard to get to the front of the net back. Oh, my God. Oh like my God. just to get there was hard. So, yeah, different different game, different types of players. No you uh, you guys remember Sean. So Sean McEachern played with Yaramir Jagger in Pittsburgh. Um, and we were playing Pittsburgh. And McEachern comes before the game, he's like, guys, Jagger hates it when you slash his hands. Well, who doesn't? So the entire game, all we did was slash his hands. <laughs> the entire game. Like, imagine that. Like, how would that go over today? And there's Jagger's like, oh, he was yeah. dissing. Because like, you got three good slashes so, before the ref was putting his arm up. I can attest to the fact that some of the best players in the league were also some of the dirtiest. Mary Lemieux, Steve Eiserman. Oh. These are guys that would you know, you'd, Mess. you'd get corkscrew them, hold them, Messier, like they, you know, I've been cross-checked, speared, butt-ended in the face, different times, like, and then the refs would let it go because those guys, people came to watch them play. They didn't come to watch me, but, you know, they were, you're part of, I'm part of the entertainment package, but I'm not the entertainment package. Those guys were the entertainment package and they had to yeah. fend for themselves back in the day. And they did, they did because yeah. Yeah. there was, you know, and again, it's, you know, I know Marilyn, he used to always rat like wanted the league to enforce it better. So these top players could really show their stuff, which they do nowadays. It's like, that's where you see a different product out there. Yeah. I always wish Mike Bossy would have been able to play longer if he didn't have oh. back issues from all the cross checking oh, yeah. that he, he, right. Um, there's a couple of people in the chat have questions for you, Jamie. So I'm just going to throw sure. them out. They're randoms. Uh, any stories or what was it like to play with Mike Peluso? <laughs> It was good. He had a lot of emotion. Um, I'll tell you, like, he he battled for everybody. He dropped the gloves more than anyone, right? So he came in. He was, he was a big personality. Um, he and I butted heads, heads a couple of times during the year. Like, we got into, like, he actually once, we had a, uh, was in Ottawa, and he's like, let's go fucking down the hallway and fight. <laughs> like, no, you're going to kill me. I'm not going to do that. I go, I'm not an idiot. You know what I mean? Like, why would I go do that? I'm not going to go fight you. But we were like, whatever it was, I don't know what we were mad at, but those were like moments of frustration that happened over the course of the year. Right? Like guys, guys would like, it was tough, all the losing. So um, like I do, but, but he stuck up for he stuck up for all the guys over the course of the year. He fought a lot. I don't know what his penalty minutes were. They were probably over three hundred. So he was he was a you know what he was he was a great teammate. That's what yeah. Mike Pelusa was. And uh, like I said, emotional guy wore his emotions on his sleeves. Let you know where he stood. But I'll tell you, when the going was getting rough out there, and he was he was the first guy to have your back. And happy that he eventually went on and won a Stanley Cup. Because like a team first guy through and through, he deserved it. Uh, Three hundred and eighteen penalty minutes. The next yeah. closest teammate had one hundred and forty-five, which was uh, Darcy Lowen. Um, mm -hmm. 
Oh, I also wanted to point out, Jamie, in that series with Sergei Fedorov, uh, in seven games, Sergei Fedorov had one goal. That's it. Eight points and was a minus one. So you did your job extremely well. There you go. Good. I just wanted to pump your tires. Uh, Another question we have. (laughs) Yes. If you needed any more validation, I suppose. Uh, Do you think Doug Wilson would be a good hockey ops guy for the Ottawa Senators? I thought you were going to ask me if he'd be a good hockey ops guy for the Toronto Maple Leafs because his name's been brought up. Um, Here's the thing about Doug. The experience that he has, the success that he has had, he would benefit probably any organization. Um, What he built in San Jose, the only thing he didn't do is win a Stanley Cup. Like we're talking prolonged success and they underachieved a lot of times in the playoffs because the expectations were so high. Like Mm -hmm. they, people were picking them to win the Stanley cup. So anything less than that was, well, you didn't reach the, you know, the level. Jamie, they should have won. Yes, they should have won. They should have won. I'm, I watched it. I watched it all. They were the most frustrating team to me. They were like the Ottawa Senators of the early, late 90s, early 2000s, just loaded with talent and could never, never get it done. And at at all different stages of the playoffs. Like, it wasn't like the Leafs are now. Like, it wasn't like they Mm -hmm. couldn't get out of the first round. Some year, like, it was, you know, they they, the one year that they were President's Trophy, they lost in the first round to Anaheim, you know, in six games. Um, other years, it was the conference finals. Then, you know, they finally punched their ticket to the Stanley Cup. They should have won a Stanley Cup. They were so, so good. He constructed that team so well. He would make some of the moves that he made. Obviously, every GM, if you're going to be in the league a long time, you're going to make some mistakes. Yep. But, you know, he would make some aggressive moves at the trade deadline. Um, he signed guys. He got home down discounts from like a guy like Thornton, which – it's kind of the character of Thornton, but it still allows you to spend mm-hmm. a little bit more elsewhere. Um, he, he knew that market really well. So, yeah, he's he's somebody just I, I totally respect for the the work he did. And you know what he did? He also created a really good uh, culture. Yeah. Like he, he the scouts loved it. Like he if you look at the people that worked with him for a long period of time, there's a lot of guys and. It was, it was like he believed in this family dynamic type of workplace where, like, you, we want to hear your opinion and everything. Everybody respects each other. And that's how he treated everybody. And it was, it was a good place to work. Uh, final question. Uh, I can't see. Who, oh, uh, from Small Time Gamer. Uh, who's your favorite linemate to play with? My favorite linemate? All time? Yeah. Well... I mean, that's a loaded question because, like, my first game, I was right wing and Joe Sackett was center. Like, I could see <laughs> Joe Sackett, <laughs> even though I only played a couple of games with him. Um, you know who probably would be my favorite? Who's my, do you want to know who it is? Maybe one of them? It'd be uh, Jeff Rogers. Ooh. Jeff Rogers. I just, um, he was, first of all, he was so tough and I played a pest role. It allowed me to really play that role because he had my back. 
Like we we come off the ice sometimes, and I'm like, Aji, you got to do me a favor. They're fucking pissed off. <laughs> like <laughs> I might get jumped from behind. He's like, What'd you do? And I'm like, Well, I might have speared him in the balls or something. You know what I mean? Like I might, or did something. I, cro- I or I slashed him right across the wrist, and I got the wrist. <laughs> so like it was always like, What'd you do? Um, but the other thing is he was such an honest player. Like he was so tough. He was North uh-huh. South. Like I knew he would go to the net and like, I could just rely on him. So I had all kinds, like I loved playing with Gaetan Duchesne, Ray Whitney, Bob Airy would be one of my favorites. Bob uh-huh. Airy and I had great chemistry, but just because Aji was so predictable more than anyone, Bob Airy would be next on my list. It'd be, he'd be next. So Two good broadcasters. But, uh, but just, yeah, just as a centerman, I loved having a winger, especially in a third-line role, that I knew exactly what they were going to do. If their tendency was to drive the net, then I always yeah. knew that they'd be – so, like, if I had an opportunity to shoot, I know that they're there, either for a screen, tip, or rebound type of thing. And I knew how hard they'd forecheck. So it shrunk the ice for me. I didn't have to do the heavy lifting in the offensive zone. I could stay high in the mid, mid-high slot in the offensive zone, and I did the, you know, the heavy work down low in the defensive zone. So – it was like we worked very well that way. Uh, I told you we'd keep you for 30, 40 minutes. Uh, do you need to go? I got a few more minutes. Okay, so good. Because I got I – I got... I, I, Okay, yeah. I got uh, five, ten minutes. Yorkie's got a Leaf question for you. Oh, we were going to get into the Leaf stuff right now? Well, I, I want to ask about ownership, but I wanted to tie up uh, his career before I uh, ask about uh, <laughs> sex kind of ownership. <laughs> This, this one just, again, I don't care, but it always gets me. And you played in Toronto. Yeah. So remember in Montreal, you had the big three, right? Robinson, Lapointe, Serge Savard. Yeah. They didn't become the big three until they won something, right? Like, don't you have yeah. to, like, to get that kind of name? Don't you have to, like... So I always think of Toronto, I'm like, the big four. Well, you can't really call them the big four. So I guess they've changed it to the core four. But it's just, to me, it's just, a, it's a Toronto thing. It's like, just relax. Just, I know. Is it you skill? Is it based on skill or contract? Well, hey, it's, the, it's big, it's big four, it's big four contracts that inhibit other moves that you can make. Yeah. To some degree, to some degree. To me, if you're going to call somebody the big four, don't you have to win first? I think Jamie's right. I think it's based on contracts. Yeah. Well, if it's based on contracts, that's one thing. That's one thing. But to me, it's like just easy with the big nicknames here. And, and like you, you, you got to earn those things. I have a nickname for it. What do you the got? Frozen Four. They're <laughs> not getting anything done. Something's got it. Something's got to happen. You're going to have the, the NCAA will be all over you. Don't, don't, bake don't some, all right, Bake, something has to happen there, right? You're going to have to trade one of those guys, aren't you? Like there's gotta something's gotta happen. I mean, I don't know which one you trade. I know they all like playing for each other, but it's not. It shouldn't be up to them. I think Florida is a perfect case. And listen, let's 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 be honest. Like Kachuk kind of fell on their doorstep a little bit, right? Like he wanted to mm-hmm. leave Calgary, yeah. and Florida was one of the destinations he chose. You know, like. So that's, but they still had to make the trade and they had to get rid of two guys. Like, I don't think they wanted to get, you know, I don't think they wanted to trade Mackenzie Weger. 
You know, I think if they could have been Huberto just for Kachuk, obviously good for Calgary to get both. But, you know, from Florida's standpoint, I don't think they wanted to uh, trade away Mackenzie Wigger. So, um, but you look what like Billy Zito has done and he was like, and and to, and to change the coaches. He's like, this isn't acceptable. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not, we're good, but we're not there. And it's, and it's almost like Toronto hasn't faced that yet. It's like, for whatever reason, they still think, and you know what? Maybe, maybe there's something we're missing that we don't know behind the scenes mm-hmm. that they're going to, they're going to punch through at some point and go on a deep run. Like Washington, look at Washington. They were they underachieved for years in the playoffs until they won the Stanley Cup, and we don't talk about them anymore. So no, they only changed coaches. Yeah. So I I think the guy. I think I think it's Marner. I think yeah. it's the guy. If you can, if you can, if you because I think you can get a good haul coming back. Um, I don't think you're going to trade Tavares. I just don't see teams no. picking him up. Austin Matthews, I mean, he's where he is contractually. I don't know. And I think it might be good for Marner, too. I think the pressure of playing, being from Toronto, playing there, I think it takes a toll. You can see it. You can see it in his interviews. And, you know, you you can even see it. Like, like you kind of root for guys like that, that, you know, have been beaten down by the media so much. So Mm -hmm. he's the guy, I think, if they traded one of them, that I think – could benefit. I think it could benefit both parties. That's what I think. Yeah. Okay, and I just, I just saw it with those. I, I actually like the moves Dubas made this year. They brought in Ryan O'Reilly. They brought in a Cherry. Uh, they had some. They had some. They had some depth. They brought in Jake McCabe. I'm like, if I actually, I thought they were gonna have a little bit of a run this year. So I was, I was a little surprised. So for me, I, I I'm with you, Bakes. I think, yeah, you probably get a lot from Erner. Um, but then again, there's this whole dilemma: is Austin Matthews going to stay? And who knows? It's it's going to be interesting to say the least. Whoever goes in there and runs Toronto has a lot of work to do. Yeah, yeah, they do. I don't want to talk about the Leafs. Yeah, um, I know, I know. So, Jamie, the last question. I, you know what? Let me get through these tweets. And I'll, it always worries me when someone says the last question and they, yeah. they scratch their face. He always I'm, does this. He's giving you. I'm 10 notorious more. for this. Yeah, I apologize. Um, okay, so. Here, on the weekend, Nico Sparks, who's one of the bidding groups, got into it on Twitter, um, c- responding to a fan about, um, you know, saying, how would you know? Wait, you don't. Your judgment is based on what you read. Unfortunately, those aren't facts. Obviously, there are, we're, we're still here for a reason, um, and it's not spit and quarters line up uh, with the other haters because we're not going anywhere. And then he took a lot of heat for that. Um, to which somebody, and then he had to apologize uh, at some point here. Uh, everyone's entitled to their opinion, regardless of how inaccurate they are. I love Ottawa and the team and deeply believe everything we stand for, inclusiveness and the Stanley Cup. I apologize for responding for the personal tax leveled against me. Here's my issue with this. And Jamie, as a broadcaster, I'm going to bring you in, is we haven't, you, I've said this all along and I'm on record. You, you don't hear from the other groups. You never hear from Kimmel's and the Andlauer's and the Apostopolis, if I said that correctly. Uh, but you, so you shouldn't be hearing from Nico Sparks. I wish he hadn't done this because it, not before has he gone online to engage with Sens fans. And now suddenly he wants to do this and it paints it in a negative 
picture. Um, what are your thoughts on the way this has all been playing out? I think each group has a strategy, different strategies. You know, some are going to be quieter what they're going to do. Others are going to be like, this is the value that we're going to bring. And I think the Nico Sparks group, they're, they saw the momentum that Ryan Reynolds created. Mm-hmm. They just saw that and they're piggybacking that, that kind of style that we're going to come in and you're going to see us in the media and we're going to build the brand and we're going to do all this. Like, so here's, if you look at just, just when you guys put the tweet up of him apologizing, like these guys don't think that this might not be calculated. These are some, they're smart people. Like I disagree. No, so, and that's fair, but to come out, can we put that back up? Can we put that response back up, the, his apology? Everyone is entitled to their opinions, regardless of how inaccurate they are. That's what he's saying. <laughs> I love Ottawa, the team, and I deeply uh. believe everything we say. So that, this is the message that he wanted to get out, No, in my opinion. I, I, I think this is a terrible PR. Like, whoever's doing PR... It's completely lost this group. That's what well, I. That's what I. Think. Where were they anyway, though? Where are they, even from a financial stand? So maybe they're just grasping for straws at this point, or but maybe see, that, you know. So I don't think they're the lead horse anyway. So they're they're trying. What do you do when you're, you're going to try and do anything you can to get uh, back into the race? Gary doesn't want to hear from you in the public. I can just ask Jim Ball silly. And we can go back to that each and every time. If you don't shut up, they don't want to entertain you. And Ryan Reynolds gets a bit of a pass only because he's from Ottawa. I think that's a big part. And uh, he's always well, had a factor with Ottawa. I mean, and because of the show, Welcome to Rexham. Absolutely. Like, like but I think like, he, he's from Ottawa and yes. he's got this, he's taken this fifth division soccer team and made them an international brand. It would be like the story is like, oh, my gosh, this would be perfect for the senators where the Nico Sparks group, they don't they don't have something like we're saying, well, this is something distinctive that we could ultimately do. That's going to really bolster not just the organization, but the entire city. That's not there yet. So I think they're yeah, I think they're I think so. Here's what I think. I think they're grasping at straws, but I do think it was it was strategic. I think it was a strategic move. I I think everyone's at the point where. We thought this was going to be resolved probably a month or two ago, and I just I just think you're seeing frustrations coming out all around. Um, yep. So I do agree with your point while you made earlier, like the old saying in the movies, right? Silence is golden. I do th- I, I do think the NHL does yep. prefer that, um, but I don't think Sparks came out and said anything that's really going to impact it, but. I just think there's a lot of frustrations go- going around everywhere because especially here in the city, like people want, they, they want some clarity. And um, lot, as we know, there's lots of decisions that need to be made, important ones as far as uh, roster construction this summer for the senators, some big decisions to be made. So a lot of decisions. Absolutely. All right, Jamie, I'm going to let you go. Last question is what's your favorite cheat snack when you're watching a movie? Oh, well, that's a loaded question. Because <laughs> I'm a fucking cheater when it comes to that shit. 
<laughs> right now, yeah, it's ice. It's ice cream. But oh. like, throw a nice bowl of popcorn, and I'm equally happy. But right now, I'm going through a little bit of a, an ice cream phase. It's not good. I got a dad's bot. It's embarrassing. It's <laughs> I need to. Yeah. Bakes, are Just you what? out? Are you out in Canada right now? Are you living in Canada? Going to be. Going to be. You. In you the, have to hit place. us. You have to hit up the Carp Creamery ice cream. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah. Oh, it's good stuff. It's right? Yeah, yeah. It's, What's yeah. the flavor? Sorry, and then you can go. Vanilla Scorio for me, gentlemen. Pecan or uh, butter pecan or pistachio. I like a good. My wife calls me boring because I like butter pecan. What's boring about that? It's got like two flavors in it. There's nothing boring I... about that. Vanilla is boring. <laughs> Butter pecan is not boring. I like you need, to, you need to reset the bar at home there, Paul. You gotta stick <laughs> up for your ice cream flavors. Jesus. Is it is it is it bad to like have ice cream right after dinner and then miss Vicky's like while you're watching the hockey game later? Like I'm a double no, no. snacker at night. Well, you know, you've got two love handles. You gotta feed each side, you know. That's how I look at it. There. there Very safe. Don't advice. have one beer, have two beers. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right, Biggs. I appreciate it. I hope you come back again soon. Uh, and yeah. now we know where it happened to the original Send Draft computer. You have it. There it is. There you go. Yes. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Have a good Take day. Take care. See ya, Biggs. There goes Jamie Baker, which I kept way too long. Uh, and I apologize as always. So, um, yeah. I got to tell you. So, like, we like often refer to myself as the smartest man in hockey. B- Bakes. I know you've heard him call games. You've heard his analysis. He is one of the smartest, most well-spoken broadcasters in the game. He is a really smart hockey guy. And uh, I got a chance to go. When I, I used to do a lot of San Jose games for Sportsnet because I'd usually get like the, the 1030 late night mm-hmm. game out on the, out on the coast because I was, I was on the C team. <laughs> So I, and I'd always hook up with Bakes out in San Jose when, when he was out there doing games and we spent a lot of time together, so much time for Jamie Baker and uh, for people that have heard him talk about the game, very intelligent guy. So I'm going to behind the scenes story is uh, Jamie and I both sat on the board of the Ottawa Valley Titans uh, two years ago. Oh, cool. And he was our program director. Uh, And he would break down video for the kids. One of the things he did, he was also on the ice, but he would, he was so good at teaching them video and stupid yeah. little things like where, how to turn your wrist or where to put your stick and in the lanes and all. Like, I know that sounds really dumb, but when no. you're a kid, you don't necessarily get taught that very often. It yeah, was no. extremely beneficial. He's extremely intelligent of how to play the game the right way. Yeah, Lots yeah, of time yeah. for him. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, you can catch him, by the way, on TSN 1200 when he uh, is doing the radio uh, with the broadcast. Uh, Fantastic stuff he does animations. Okay, Yorkie. So, uh, by the way, congrats to our head coach, uh, DJ Smith, along with uh, local boys, uh, Jack Quinn and Mackenzie Weger, uh, world champions. Uh, also, um, Matthew Joseph's brother was also on that team as well. So, yep, congrats yep. to him. There's a, they, hey, listen, I, this year was one of the first years that really I found nobody paid attention, but yeah. it's still a huge deal for those guys yeah. to go over there. Uh, and become world champions. Huge deal. And I love the Jack Quinn reference. Uh, oh. Great, great local kid. I actually, funny story about Jack Quinn, Wally. I coached him back in, I think it was minor peewee. I, I did a, I had a spring hockey team. And one of the dads said to me, like, we needed a couple more, more kids to fill out the roster. He's like, uh, 
I know this Jack Quinn kid, he plays up for the Upper Valley Aces. He doesn't play AAA because he doesn't really skate in the summer. Um, you should put him on the team. And I'm like, yeah, sure. So Jack comes down, plays with us for the summer. Play. We only did two or three tournaments. And um, yeah, he just, he never skated in the summer. He played a bunch of different sports and he didn't, he didn't make AAA hockey until his minor midget year. Like, it's a great it, story. It's a great story. Yes. Um, it's, well, and, it is and it isn't. He should have been playing AAA hockey. I, and I think. But it just goes to show you, you don't have to. Yes. You don't, you don't, you don't have don't, to have the label as a AAA hockey player no. to, in order to benefit your career. I totally understand you. And in fact, I want to get him on the show. So I'm hoping once he gets we'll get back over, yeah. has a little time off, we'll have him in because he great, had a phenomenal great, year. Great, great, kid, great kid, great family, very humble. And actually, a really good golfer too, Wally. Great golfer. Plays out at the Canada Golf Club. Uh, golfs with uh, my boys, but uh, no, uh, okay. he's a, he's a great story. Great story, yep. and I think he's going to have a very successful. Um, oh yeah, thanks, Tips. He had a great rookie year, but <laughs> no, he's, but uh, yeah, I think I, I I think he's not that he's going to supply because he's on the radar right now. But he's one of those players that's just going to continue to get better and better and better as as time goes on because he's a natural athlete. Was he? Oh, I thought he was part of the all rookie team or something this year, but I, I uh, he sounds familiar. I'm not sure on that. Like he, but, uh, he, his skill set is phenomenal. Watching him do shootouts. Yeah. You know, he, he's ridiculously good. He, the, the program, the Ottawa 67s ran when, when Andre Tournier was here, Andre started doing a lot of things that other teams weren't doing. And now more and more teams are doing practicing in the morning, uh, tons of skill development, tons of video work and they would do it all in the morning mm. like junior teams practice afternoon after school Turnier would have the kids come in in the morning and get all the work done then go to school after so it's 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 very tough at the beginning for the players to get used to but once they got into it they had a huge advantage on the rest of the league and, and I, I thought Jack really benefit benefited from going in there and he's like a sponge he just got better and better and better uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, again, I, I hats off to him and to, uh, to Team Canada for picking up gold. Uh, yeah. Okay, so we are back Thursday. Uh, we have a guest lined up who recently retired. So, uh, mm-hmm. man played for the Ottawa Senators for over 10 years or 10 yeah, years. Pretty... Okay. Good human being. That's all I'm saying in case he doesn't show up. <laughs> He'll show. <laughs> I might be golfing, right. though. I might be golfing. You might, it might be. Uh, yeah, no, no. If you're not here, it'll be uh, Bobby, I, and special guest star. Yes, yes star. I would categorize uh, him as a star. Uh, Yorkie, go enjoy. Uh, we'll chat soon. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Watching Coming in Hot, presented by Botano. Go to botano.ca. Coming in Hot is brought to you by botano.ca. Please hit that like button and subscribe to our channel to never miss an episode. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.